0: Hello and welcome back to the Rambling Viking podcast. It's good to be back and recording again. Hope you guys have had a good uh, week or so since my last episode. I did just realize something that I have not last not 78, but then the three episodes before that are all the exact same length and I thought, "Huh, that's kind of weird." And then I realized <clears throat> I <laughs> so I use a podcast template on GarageBand and I just go back and I'll I'll open the file, delete the whatever the other recording was because I've already exported that as its own audio file, and then re-record. Well, on my, I don't remember which episode exactly it was, I think it might have been 75, but on one of those episodes that is 2 hours and 13 minutes and 6 seconds long, it legitimately is that entire time, and... That's, um, but, but on those other two episodes, definitely not that entire time, but I'm hoping that there's a big gap between, because I spliced the audio and so I didn't realize that I didn't delete all the audio clips, so I made sure I did that this time and last time too. So sorry about that, you probably, if you, if there wasn't a big gap, you probably heard me say goodbye and then within a matter of seconds, middle of a, some conversation that was from a previous podcast, so I apologize for that, but. Hope everyone is uh, doing all right, and hopefully that didn't happen, and you just stopped listening. Even though the episode was technically like still two hours long, it was just silence. I hope. Um, sorry about any and you know, all confusion, but we're back at it again. Um, we're gonna talk. We're just gonna talk about some stuff. So, I mean, we have we have the uh, Democratic primaries. We just had Super Tuesday last week. Big big deal. Joe Biden the surprise. It's been it's been kind of crazy, you know. And then now, um, what we're seeing is we're seeing basically everybody's endorsing Biden. And uh, you know, it's funny. I'm not the type of well, I am the type of person, but I honestly have not been wanting to be the guy who, when politics come up, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, let's go Trump, four more years, give it to me. And you know, more so, just be like, yeah, I'm gonna vote for Trump, but like. I'm, I don't want to be like, oh, Trump, gung ho, wearing the hat, doing all this stuff. But the more that I engage in conversation, talk to people, the more I see how this is unfolding. The more I'm just pushed it like, that's kind of how I want to be. In one sense, in one sense, I'm I'm, I'm trying to destigmatize Trump support, and what I mean by that is there's this overarching narrative that a that trump is this wild racist madman and he's absolutely he's the worst basically they paint him as the worst person on earth and i called someone out on this on reddit i was like look he's not he's not hitler incarnate and we're like we're not saying that he's just this but the comment that they had left called him. i think a xenophobic um racist sexist homophobic slob and i think there might have been some other ones and i was like sounds to me like you're trying to paint the worst picture possible. And and then, and then, so I called them out on it and they immediately said, no, it's not what we're doing. That's what you just did, you animal. And, and my big thing is he's not. The country has been fine for four years. Sure. From a media standpoint, it's been all over the place. And yeah, he's a tweet and fiend and says a lot of crazy stuff. But at this point, can we just get, can we not just Accept the fact that Donald Trump is that friend that we have who exaggerates everything, (laughs) who exaggerates everything to make it sound cooler, to make it sound better. He just does that. And yes, I agree with you. I don't think that's the place for the president to be doing that. I don't, I don't think it's the place for the, yeah, the president of the United States to be acting that way. However, that's, that's what we've got, you know? And so it's like, look, we might as well learn to accept those moments when he's being dumb. And it's like, just hold thumbs. Just somebody go tape his thumbs to his hand so he can't use his phone, and put some mitts, putting tape some mittens on his hand so he can't use his phone. Something. I mean, goodness. Uh, because he just, he just, uh, he. Ben Shapiro says the best. He's a hammer looking for a nail, and when he hits a nail, it's awesome. But sometimes he just hits a baby, and it's not awesome. And I mean, that's really. I really, really like that um, <laughs> that l- that outlook on it. So, <clears throat> anyways, <laughs> kind of roundabout way, of what I was really getting at there was I didn't want to be the loud Trump supporter, and I still am not. I'm trying to approach it from a more reasonable stamp, reasonable standpoint. But what I'm trying to do is basically put out that, like, hey, there's regular people who are going to vote for him and then also are being pushed to vote for him by the type of rhetoric that a lot of people in the opposition are spitting. And that's the problem. When you sit there and say someone's the devil incarnate, someone's the devil incarnate, eventually I'm going to say, are they the devil incarnate? And they're not. And it's like, oh, you. well now I kind of want to troll you. And that's where I'm at. And I think I talked about this last episode, so I don't want to dig into it too much. But we've had all that come out and uh, had a couple interesting... Conversations actually, semi productive conversations on Reddit where you know they asked who you're voting for, and I said, Trump, of course. And then people, some people, you know, of course, I got like negative 10 down votes, but surprise, surprise, there, Reddit's left leaning. And then, but then I had some actual productive conversations with some people who were Bernie supporters, and they talked about, I think Bernie's the candidate you're looking for, this is what he's trying to do. And I said, No, Bernie's a communist, and they said, No, no, he's not a communist, he doesn't. The, the type of socialism he wants isn't Venezuelan socialism, it's Nordic socialism, which, by the way, uh, Denmark, Prime Minister of Denmark, said, I don't know if we recall, but told Bernie, keep my country out your mouth, basically, and because Bernie kept referencing him, and he's like, stop, and then he said, stop it, and the Nordic models, honestly, it's not really a great comparison, because... Um, And then people say, oh, we're the happiest They have the best healthcare system Well, a lot of these studies is self-reported stuff So it's how do you feel about this And that's the thing that we have in America right now Is people feel They feel fearful about certain things Or they feel uneasy about certain things But in reality, when you actually look at them, they're not that bad For instance, you have this weird fear Around cops being racist And being gung-ho When in actuality, it's not As prevalent as people would lead you to believe, you have this big fear of mass shootings. Not as prevalent as you would believe. Yeah, there it's more than there should be, but it's but still, when it comes down to gun violence as a whole, it's it's a a percentage, if that. I think it's like one or two percent. So it's nothing. Um, it's not. No, it's not nothing in the sense of I don't think it's important, but it's not the end of the world, right? And. There's, there's just things like that, but it's interesting, you know. He said, "Cited the Nordic model," which, first of all, I think we should all recognize that a um, Nordic countries are vastly different from us. They are much smaller in population and in land, land mass. That population is almost completely homogenous, meaning it's it's a bunch of you have a bunch of Swedes living in Sweden, you have a bunch of Nords living in Norway, you have a bunch of uh, you have a bunch of Dutch living in Denmark. Like you have, like it's all the same, really. And, and they have, I don't know, I don't even remember. They have like 30, like it's, it's literally like a 10th of our population, if that. And so, yeah, there are certain aspects of that, that work, but the big problem you run into is, Hey, does that scale? It's like, it's like, you know, what, what may be right for your friend or someone, you know, may not be right or work for you. And it's like it, 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 everything doesn't always translate. You know it's almost like hey you can be friends with a lot of people but you should only but you should pick careful but when you look at picking a roommate and you're looking out of your friend group you should be very careful and very choosy because that's a lesson I have learned the hard way is that um, just because you're friends with someone doesn't mean you guys are gonna be great roommates. Um, because roommates is just a roommate rooming with someone is a whole different level than just being casually friends, being casually friends. You, you hang out, you might go over to each other's houses. You might even stay the night sometimes, but you're not there 24 seven. This isn't where you live then. But then having to, when having to live 24 seven with somebody, um, things get a lot more personal and the little things matter as far as Um, certain habits and ways that you keep yourself and your area and the common areas and it just you know gets into a whole thing but uh, i'm curious to know where what how you think this is all going to pan out right now um trump obviously has my vote and i'm not pulling the the hillary clinton uh moment when meaning Everyone thought Hillary was going to win, and it was going to be no problem. Hillary thought Hillary was going to win, and it was going to be no problem in 2016. And then, boom! Surprise! And I feel that there's a wave right now that um, feel that way about Trump this year. And something that I will uh, say is, I'm not super confident in that. I'm every you should take every election seriously, and it should be, and and you shouldn't chalk up a win. Now, I do think what the Democrats are throwing up is candidate wise. Um, I mean, now really becoming Biden Bernie race, uh, the old white, the rich old white lifelong bureaucrat race. Don't you love it? Um, someone did point that out. They were like, Party of Diversity, huh? We got two old white men leading it. And I was just like, yeah, that's true. And it's just one of those funny, like, anecdotal notes. It's like, absolutely true you have two elites running it and you know Bernie I'm not an elite uh the billionaires and it's just like no dude you are an elite stop it you're a lifelong bureaucrat I mean you got in the business in your late 30s and you've just hung around you haven't really done much um you're freaking 78 Joe Biden's 78 or they're 77 78 they're one of one of them is one of them but I'll tell you this even photoshop pictures I've looked at of these dudes they look old, man. Like, they look old. Like, there was one. It was, like, when Joe won one of the states and they posted a picture of him. And, like, he was super Photoshopped, like, and they had, like, his logo and everything. And I looked at it and I said, gosh, you're just old. Like, I I was like, all right, let's. So, my grandpa died uh, Been a year now, year ago now. I think about, okay, if I basically, he was 92. So, I go, let's go back 10 years. So, around 2010, 2009. And think about how he was. And now imagine him running for president and I'm just like, yeah, he's real old. Like that's, I mean, that's how I make the comparison in my mind. It's like, yeah, that's, that's what it would look like. He's so old, man. Both of you are so old. When Donald, when Donald Trump at 73 is the young candidate, it's like, what in the world are you doing? No, it cracks me up though, because that's what it is. He's, he's, he's the young sprightly candidate. They're the old decrepit candidates that are on the verge of 80 and, you know, I try not to get into the sensationalized media talk, when it comes, especially when it comes to Joe Biden. But on some level, yeah, I'm not sure this dude would last in office. I'm not sure Bernie would either, having open-heart surgery recently. Now, with his Medicare for all, I would be covered. Um, also being the president, that helps you too. <clears throat> but I'm interested to see how this unfolds. I I honestly think Joe Biden's going to get the nomination. Um, But for Biden, like a lot of people have been saying, I think it does come down to, you know, who's his VP. But uh, I think the feeling around Biden and why he's doing so well is is literally Obama. Biden being Obama's VP is what's gotten him here. And anecdotally, I have a friend and um, we were... They put on Facebook uh, you know who you voting for or whatever, who you supporting and and why. And I said, and most of them were Bernie or Biden or Bernie or Biden. And and I chimed in and said, Trump and a couple other guys who were just trolling. One of them was serious. The other one was like, I don't know if I'm even registered. And I was like, that's funny. But Trump and, of course, we got the hate. And I actually had a decently productive conversation through the comment thread on Facebook until this one crazy girl um, called me a rape apologist for defending Donald Trump. And I was like... No, saying who I'm going to vote for for president and when it comes to politics and policy is like t- telling you what I'm going to eat for dinner. Like it's it's kind of weird, but it's not a big deal and honestly you probably shouldn't even care that much. Say, okay, that's cool and then move on. Or oh, wow, well, how do you make that? Like <laughs> oh, that's one of my favorites. Or oh, do you do this or that? And it's like you know, do you fry it? Do you do pan- do you grill it? Like I don't know. Um <laughs> You know, And then she was like, no, it's actually like being a rape apologist. And I was like the, – and then I responded and said, that is why – that is in part why I'm voting for Trump. It's because people like you. But I did have a good moment where one friend was like, that's sad, but I still love you. And I was like, likewise, man. Like, Thank goodness we can freaking disagree on our politics and still be fine as friends. Like, it's not a big deal, folks. Um, And that's really that's really kind of what becomes has become my case, because I realize I look I think we all look at this at least portrayed craziness where it's, you know, um, people freak out if you support Trump and they're unfriending people and all this nonsense. And it's like, how do we destigmatize this? And I think it's every day throughout your community. A. Have a casual conversation about it and let it be just that casual don't get divisive it, it may be uncomfortable at times but at the end of the day just say hey yeah all right well cool awesome and like treat it like any other small talk it's fine and then let your opinion be no voice your opinion but also be respectful and say hey this is just what I believe but you know tell me what you believe and why you believe and you know you could even maybe disagree cordially but you don't need to be like no that's stupid you can just say oh well you know that's not really how I see it or what about this and that and let it go on. At the end of the day, say, hey, you're free to choose. Um, but yeah, I, I I was honestly surprised. I only had one person really come at me, but the other person... Oh, you know what she said initially in this comment? Her initial comment was, I, she goes, um, she goes, try to imagine publicly stating that you're supporting Trump. Can't even effing relate. And I was like, that. and that's where I was like, it's like telling you what I'm going to eat for dinner. Like, it's not a big deal. And she's like, it's like being a rape apologist. And I said... no, it's not. And she went into this whole thing about how he sexually abused women or he sexually assaulted women and all this stuff. And I was like, you are the reason. Oh, and you know what? You know what? I'm fine with all the disrespect in that too. I'm like, honestly, I'm fine. I'm okay with it. But I'm just like, you're the reason, like, don't open your mouth. Like, you're the reason I'm not doing this. But people get so... this 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 is why I've started speaking up is really the very kind of how she closed things out because I left it. I said, this is the last thing I'm going to say. And because you never, you never win any internet, internet arguments over the internet. The other side never was like, Oh, you're right. And so it's like, yeah, how far down this rabbit hole? I'm not going to go. Not very, going to be very surface level here. Just going to till the ground up a little bit and walk away. And that's what I said. And then she replied, replied and she was like, Oh yeah, this is crazy. And Oh, don't have kids ever. And I was like, See, that's where you lose me. That's where I, I will stay very calm and collected, but that's where I'm like, hmm. I didn't respond, but I'm just like, aha, no respect for you anymore. I, what little respect I had for you, at first of all, for being this hyperbolic, is completely gone. Because when you, legit, when you sit there and over the internet behind your keyboard say, oh, don't have kids, because I'm voting for Donald Trump, the level of disrespect to me and my family that that holds is just, it's nonsensical. It's like, okay, you are the, I, I literally was like, you are the problem. That is the reason why I'm voting that way, is because of stupid crap like that. Why I would ever think to to look at someone who's, who's voting for Bernie Sanders and say, man, you, you like don't have kids because you're an idiot. Like, that's so rude and disrespectful, like... I, I, you know, it's interesting. I normally internet stuff bounces right off me most of the time, and I just laugh it off because I'm like, ah, it's the internet. We're behind a keyboard. Like, don't take it too seriously. But I don't know. That one actually hit a string for me where I was like, oh, like you just, you just had to say like, it's like being like, yeah, that's like when you, you know, I don't know. That's like telling Harvey Weinstein, I hope your daughters get raped. Like, dude, he's an animal, but don't punish his family for that. But even then, all I'm doing is literally casting a vote for a president who hasn't destroyed the country or the world and arguably has done pretty decent. And it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But I will say that. That is that is the one bad conversation I really had out of the... Every, all the other comments and conversations I had on that thread were good. And then the conversations I had on Reddit were actually very good. And they were very inviting. They were Bernie supporters and sounded pretty reasonable. They made a decent argument. But all in all, they were just like, it's not Venezuelan socialism. And I was like, then how come he sympathizes and he still acknowledges Maduro? He says America is the problem in Venezuela right now. But he will blatantly ignore the fact he won't he won't denounce it. Same with Cuba. He honeymoon in the, in the USSR. Soviet Union. He he has been a communist sympathizer since day one, and he still is. But he's re, he's trying to reframe it as I'm a democratic socialist, which is just really a socialist. It's not. And and they argue that oh, he doesn't want to um, collectivize the means of production, but he does. He wants to eliminate all student debt. Oh, well, how would that be done by the government? Okay, all colleges are free. Oh, okay, so state run schooling um through through the university level and then um medicare for all okay so in all the health care needs for every citizen are um through the government mandatory um minimum wage of 15 dollars an hour okay so now they're they're controlling they're controlling pricing and cost and uh, of of or labor um unions and union unionizing there but it's all run through the government and so he wants to then uh, push out fossil fuels, and everything like that, so energy basically would be completely run through the government, not that, I mean, it's not heavily subsidized in certain levels and things like that, and there aren't already deals going on that I don't know about, because I'm not super well versed on this, but, um, he wants to do all that I was like, that's that's quite a lot, it may not be the exact specific super hyperbolic, or not hyperbolic hyper specific definition of uh, socialism that we come to know, but when you look at it through and through and the more i listen to him and look at him and and, and learn about communism and socialism i go oh he's just a socialist that's all he is and he's talking about his rhetoric is transforming the u.s is that capitalism is evil so the entire system that we're built on is evil the poor are oppressed um one claim that person someone made was that in, in my discussion was that the the poorest p- people in the u.s live like the like the Impoverished people in third world countries. And it's not true. I can tell you that's not true, um, because the poverty line for the world is like three dollars a day. Poverty line for the U.S. Um, this has been a while, but it's around for a single person is like ten 000 or eleven thousand dollars a year, and and you're looking at like fifteen hundred dollars a year for the um, for the global one. And I just that's not accurate. It's false. And they're, and they're saying, but the, but the top richest, um, the, but the richest 1% here, you know, are hyper wealthy. But so I, I guess just say this problems I have with Bernie. And while it's not convincing me is a he's he is a socialist. Um, big question that I always ask when um, there are I don't really have these conversations that much. But my big question I pose is when we're talking about this, right, and talking about who you're going to vote for, what are you looking at? A, I want somebody who at least likes our country at least is has a sliver of patriotism. Bernie doesn't like that. He just wants to change it. He 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 wants to have a revolution. He I honestly think he's pretty selfish. Like he he wants the power cuz he can fix it cuz he knows best cuz this is how this works and he wants to transform it from, from the inside out. Even though he's been on the inside for like 30 plus years and hasn't done daily squat. Hmm. Curious much? So there's a problem. Um, you gotta love your country. Two, um, comes down to socialism versus capitalism. So, socialism doesn't work. I'm sorry. There are some companies that have socialized healthcare, and there are pros and cons, but by and large, I like my choice. Our healthcare system is broken, but I don't think you fix it by saying... Because big question that I always pose is, all right. is the government good at what it does? Like, anything that the government... Think about anything the government runs. Is it good at it? Like, do they do a good job? Is it efficient? Answer... No, not usually. I think we all agree there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of administration that goes on and a lot of nonsense. And it's like this isn't very streamlined. So why should we entrust the entire nation's health care? Why Why should we give all this much more to the government to fix our problems? How about we look to each other in our communities to fix our problem and start on the local level? Get involved in your local politics and get involved locally. And just, you don't have to be gung-ho activism, but just be in the know, have these casual conversations, talk about it and convince people and use, you know, use reason and logic and, and, and make a good case. Like, that's really what it is and, and to, to change the culture because that's how you've gotten all these young people being socialists is they're all, hey, they're spoiled and they don't know, they don't know history on its, they don't know what history actually is or looks like and that's that's a a big part of it is they don't they don't look back and well what what this person says is the classic talking about that's not it's not that socialism it's like the the social uh, the democratic socialism in the Nordic countries which I'm not super well versed on this but from everything I've heard that is not the case up there but also there's other problems as far as like how we compare um, what their country looks like what our country looks like and how that exactly works also their tax rates are like sixty percent so if I'm if I'm if I'm gonna do the math right, you mean? So if I make forty thousand dollars a year, um, sorry, let's just say if I make a hundred thousand dollars a year, sixty thousand of that goes to my taxes, and forty thousand of that goes to me. But I don't have to pay for medical bills, but I do have to wait in long lines and stuff like that. Buying cars is super expensive. Tell me, tell me why I should be for this again? Because my big thing is more, more money, more, more power in the individual. That's what I call it for. Less power in the collective of the federal government. That's my big thing, and bada bing, bada boom. That's what he calls for. So there's there's another thing. Um, other thing too that that pushes me from Bernie, and he, I'm okay with Biden, but he's really a say nothing, do nothing kind of guy. So that's where I'm like, eh, he's just vanilla. He's just riding the reputation that he was Obama um, or he was with Obama. Because I did have one, I did have a friend say, um, you know, I vote, I voted for Biden because uh i'm basically looking for obama 2.0 which uh, i'm learning more and more obama was an okay president he was more of a figurehead thing than and less of an actual like practical practicality like good president uh i just i don't think he was that great um but that's fine you know it's it's whatever he was very charismatic he was he was great he was a great pr guy but great president uh, uh i'm i'm going to go with i'm going to go with I'm gonna go with he was middle of the road, like he was just there almost, you know, and and I think he made some questionable decisions and there were some questionable things that happened, but such is true with any and all presidents, so it's fine. Um, but but I and I think that's where Biden is getting a lot of his support from is the simple fact that people are like, oh yeah, it was it was Obama and Biden, and so Biden's basically gonna be. Obama 2.0. That's what Biden's trying to do, and that's what people see, and so that's what people want. Um, but uh, continuing the problems, so with Bernie is the man never actually answers a question. A, they don't ask him hard questions, but B, he gives no real answers. All he'll say is, "Health care is a human right." I'm not going to tell you how much it's going to cost. I know it's not a good impression. <clears throat> You know, and he just he just he just yells about stuff. He doesn't actually. So that's do. On one sense, I do want to see him in the general. I do want to see him as a nominee in the general election, just to watch him have to answer the hard questions and get absolutely eviscerated. But I don't think that's the case. I guess my podcast is turning into political commentary because that's all I'm doing today, folks. It's this weird internal battle, this is another side, not battle, but tug of war, where it's like, I'm, I find myself getting sucked into politics, and I enjoy them, they're fun, but on the other hand, I'm like, I don't, there, there's that other side of me that's like, politics, really, like, is it, is it that serious, and honestly, I'm, I'm less and less concerned about, like, the president, it's like, who's the president's gonna end the country, because it's really not what it's about, it's about handling your politics locally that affects your day and day to day less than the president does. And the president's more of a PR thing, but your local politics that's where things actually affect your day-to-day life and so that's that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to actually get more involved locally and figure out my constituent or figure out my representatives and senators and all that stuff, my, my school board, the mayor, all that good stuff and 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 make my voice known that way. So that's kind of cool, you know. Um, that, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to look at. And so I'm trying to find a happy balance where you can kind of be casually political, but not like divisively, like you become the family member at Thanksgiving who always, uh, brings up politics, which by the way, it cracks me up how divisive politics are in general, even before like, Oh, we're so divided, you know, people hate the guy that brings up politics and, why? I think because they always bring it up in a very combative way and people people just don't like to disagree, I guess, uh, is the big thing. I mean, I don't like to be confrontational or disagree on, on a large scale, but also um, there's a point where, yeah, uh, I do. Um, oh, yeah, that reminds me of another point for Bernie, against Bernie, is uh, Bernie and really all the Democrats, they are pro-abortion. Um, Donald Trump, I'm going off what what I know here pro-life, at least he is now, can't speak to his past, but he was the first president, the first president to speak at the March for Life in D.C. and to be very vocal about being pro-life and defunding Planned Parenthood, which I'd love to have a discussion with somebody on, you know, people, people dispute that but honestly Planned Parenthood is an abortion factory they do most of the abortions that's what they provide they do some shady stuff and I, I just keep seeing more and more stories come out about where they're selling fetus parts for profit they have quotas they need to meet they really push people to do this and it's just like abortion is taking a innocent human life it is not it is not okay should not be legal and uh, I'm prepared I'm prepared to stand my ground on that like I said I, I try and be pretty casual but I'm but this is one thing that's kind of caught my attention and because honestly I was kind of like teetering on being being pro-abortion in, you know, extenuating circumstances and things like that in this couple years ago and I didn't really know much and so I, I was really wrestling with the topic of abortion and still do on certain aspects but... Uh, I've gotten plugged in with Live Action, which I don't know if you've ever checked them out, but they're pro-life group. Uh, They're they're awesome. They are very uh, loud, but but it's because they care, you know. And that's one argument that I did hear come forward. uh, Did hear come across the docket a lot of times with people when they were when they would talk about these things, is they would say, "Look, uh, you know, if you're all miscarriages, you should have a funeral for this." and And you should be, and it's like, first of all, who in their miscarriage is going, yay, we had a miscarriage or, oh, well, we just had a miscarriage. It's always traumatic. And I mean, they don't need to have a funeral, but there's definitely grief and mourning because that was, that was a baby that they were going to, you know, that that was a member of their family. And anyways, I forgot where I was going with this, but, oh, they say like, you know, if you really thought it was murder, you would be doing this. But honestly, it, that's, they're loud because that is what it is and that's what they believe is that like abortion is killing an innocent baby and when you think about it you can't get too mad at somebody for being for being pretty outspoken and aggressive about being pro life if that's the stance that they hold because when you look at it objectively it's like if you really think that's a baby being killed in the womb innocently which i do that and so basically that's infanticide um. Then you shouldn't be afraid to be outspoken. If you, I mean, put the put the put the shoe on on the other on on a different foot, it still fits. Like that makes no sense. What I just said, that little analogy, but uh, put it in context. Put it in different context. Like, say there was a bunch of there was a homeless person serial killer. People being up up in arms, like. If you, they thought they were murdering homeless people on on the streets in your area, and because they were doing a service, an economical service to the community, you might have a couple people like okay, kind of shrug their shoulders. But you're gonna have people that like no, murder is wrong, and it should not be happening. You you have no right to sit there and be like oh your life's not valuable, and boom, be gone. You're gonna have people in the streets. You're gonna have law enforcement after. Like you're gonna have uproar. Same. And so that, I mean, that's kind of to give you some context to be able to empathize with that position. But um, anyways, Trump is very pro-life and that's, that's a hard line issue. It's become a hard line issue for me. Bernie's not pro-life. Biden's not pro-life. They, they're both pro-abortion and I don't say pro-choice because what does that even mean? Pro-choice. It means you believe people have the right to choose to kill their child, to end their child's life in the womb and what it is is you're actually pro-abortion right pro-choice sounds it's i don't know it's almost easier to get behind but people don't like abortion people avoid abortion and i'm and and especially if you say you're pro-abortion i'm not pro-abortion you know i think it's a hard thing to do i'm just i I just believe no you are pro-abortion whether there's whether there's certain circumstances for it or not and whether it's And and now what are we seeing? We're seeing the girl on TikTok who was like second time around or whatever, abortion day and was like celebrating. And I was like, that's not how it should be. But anyways, um, that's another big issue for me. Bernie, Bernie doesn't really give any concrete evidence. He's a socialist. He doesn't like our country. Um, He's also an old white man, which is hilarious, but he's been the same way and he's a big do nothing bureaucrat. He's been there for forever. And he, while well, he used to say the millionaires, now he says, "Well, it's it's the billionaires, uh, Wall Street speculation, um, you know, buzzwords, crap like that." And because he is now a millionaire, but what I keep seeing is that it, actually in his tax plan, if you make over twenty nine k, you're gonna be you're gonna be a ta- your taxes are gonna increase because we've got to pay for all this somehow. So. Anywho, but I'm curious to know your thoughts on how you think things are going to pan out, how you think ha- things have panned out, um, where you stand on some of the issues, of course. I think my uh, my stance is pretty obvious, but I will say this. I've always kept an open mind. I always keep an open mind. I'm always willing to concede ground and say, yeah, I don't know, that sounds good. My, my big point with Bernie is he means well, but his methods are garbage. Like how he wants to carry out his good motives, garbage. You know what's better for the people? Put more money in their hands, more money in their pockets, less money in the federal, a bloated federal government, and allow them to be free. Yeah, the price of of, of, of having more individual liberty liberty across the country is, you know, you ultimately are going to have people who make wrong choices and end up in very bad situations. But to take away that liberty in the name of we don't want anyone to be ever be in a bad situation, you know what that sounds like? That honestly sounds like bad parenting. It's like, look, you can let your kid str- let your kid fall down, get bumps and bruises, let their kids struggle through learning how to do some things or figuring some things out, put them out there in the world, and you know what? They're gonna grow up, they're gonna be better, they're gonna have more real life experience, they're gonna know how to handle a- real world problems when they're an adult and on their own. Or you can make sure the kid doesn't struggle. You try and they call it lawnmower parents. You know, they, they mow the grass, and so it's an easy, smooth ride. Um, they they mow everything down in front of you, and it's like don't let them get hurt. Do, you know, keep them about sheltered, protect them. And you know what? You know what that does? They may have an in the, at least from their perspective an awesome childhood, from their perspective at the time. Be like, oh yeah, no, I didn't have to struggle, did not have to worry. But then the moment they run into struggles and worries and concerns in the real world, then you have problems because then what? then they struggle. then that all that struggle that they didn't have as a kid now they're going to have it as an adult and it's going to be harder to deal with because it's actually big real problems it's not i got a bump and bruise mommy help me and you have the safety net of i'm still a child so let me can figure this out now it's oh crap i'm going bankrupt and you know or i'm getting evicted and it's just like it's serious problems And, and and that's what i kind of see this as is like you there's people who can't help themselves. Oh, another point. There's people who can't help themselves and or and we need the government needs to be there to take care of everybody. That's not the basic premise of government in my opinion at all. It's there to provide a basic structure. And I would I would almost even call it like the federal government is like the foundation of your house. And maybe even like the studs in your walls. And then the local government can be, you know, the actual, your house structure, if you will. And you're free to do whatever you want in your house. Free to move around, free to do this, that. There's walls, there's certain barriers, there's doors. There's certain procedures you need to follow and certain things you need to keep up with. But by and large, your your foundation... The, I mean, those, it's just a structure that you operate within, but you freely do, and that's what I want, and and, and that's, I believe that's the way it should be, um, but the, the thing that I remember too, the other thing, is the rhetoric of demonizing the rich, being rich, rich equals bad, is... Uh, is another thing because and they got into this and they talked about there's terrible conditions at Amazon and Jeff Bezos is worth so much money, he has more money than he knows what to do with. And someone said, you know, and if you're as long as you don't make over ten million, you're not gonna be taxed super crazy. And if you're making that much money anyways, you're probably pretty well off. And it's like, whoa, 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 what do you think about what you're doing there? If you're putting all these assumptions and things on these people like you don't deserve this money. Like you don't need all that money. And you're making decisions for people's lives based on your perception of their status based on basically arbitrary things. It's purely subjective. And I'm like, hold on. No, 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 A, you're not bringing into context what they did. But B, you shouldn't be able to tell people how, like, it's like, it's like if your neighbor was able to tell you that, oh, you can't paint your walls that color. What? Is my house, isn't it? Yes, this is. So let me get this straight. Is my house, but my neighbor can tell me that I can't paint my walls that color or something like, that. nope, no, thanks. Uh, it's going to be no for me, dog. And, and you know, that's kind of what it feels like. And and they say, well, Jeff Bezos, he exploits basically the basic premises. The rich, and it's particularly the rich in, like, say, Jeff Bezos and Amazon, exploits the work and workers that work for him so he can make even more money and get even more crazy wealthy. But what they don't bring into account is that this is the person who was saw this company through from ground up to now. And they're the head of the company. They make billion-dollar decisions every day. Simple decisions and things that they do and make, and things that even things that they say. Look at Elon Musk. He smoked pot on Joe Rogan's podcast, and Tesla's stock dropped because people got nervous. Stock dropped. I imagine if one of his entry-level workers smoked pot on a podcast, if there's some sort of drug policy at Tesla, you know, the worst-case scenario, he might lose his job. But you're not going to see stock drop. Most people probably aren't even going to find out about it. Same with Jeff Bezos. So the, really the big point that I've come to realize is, A, it's not evil to be rich. There's this weird assumption in, 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 through Bernie's rhetoric and a lot of the, the left rhetoric and people support him that being rich is bad. Like you, you, you only got rich because you exploited work of others. And you actually did no work yourself and do no work yourself, which is silly and stupid because it's wrong. But also, is it like, hold on, I shouldn't feel guilty for having all this money. And they say, well, you know, with all that money, they could save all these people. And it's like, they could, but wouldn't have handouts ever truly saved anybody. Why do you, if that were the case, why, then people who won the lottery wouldn't have a recidivism rate of like 70 or 80%, meaning 70 or percent of people who win some sort of big lottery, whether it's a million dollars, $300 million in like five years are right back in the same economic situation that they were before they won the lottery. Hmm, Makes you think that there's something more to being rich and having money than just having, particularly having it given to you, but that, oh, maybe there's a, there's, it's a behavior thing. It's a practice thing. It's a practical thing uh, in terms of, how you build wealth and hold wealth, and that's what it, really what I'm learning is that like there's a difference between making lots of money and and building true wealth, and that's really a, a wrestle and a struggle that I've been working through. Is all right? How do I become the type of person? How do I build the right kind of kind of habits where I build wealth? And um, I might get into that another time, but yeah, you have you have the demonization of the rich, and it's like th- my favorite argument to that point is that okay, take. Jeff Bezos gets struck dead tomorrow. What happens with Amazon? I bet you their stock will drop. I bet you there will be a little bit of panic, a little bit of thing. There's going to be a lot of ground to cover and a lot of makeup and a lot of people have to step into certain roles and there's going to be a little bit of chaos. Okay. Um, There's a distribution center locally here in OKC. Say one of the workers has a heart attack on the floor and dies. Same thing. Get struck dead like Jeff Bezos at the same time. Um. Well, it, it's actually parallel universes, but anyways. So it wouldn't be the same time because I wouldn't because then you could say, well, they'd also struggle. But anyways, distribution center now down a man, yeah, and that's a real hard problem, and that might people might have to pick up the slack. You know what I'm gonna tell you? Amazon as a whole probably not gonna feel that hit very hard, if at all. Like not gonna. The people in that distribution center will immediately, but but nationally and globally, I don't think you're gonna feel much of a hit. Really, the point I'm trying to get at is: to this company, to whatever company, there is a certain value behind that person's position CEO versus entry level associate versus entry-level receptionist. I'm not trying to say that these people are worth less in terms of their intrinsic value as human beings, because they aren't. They're, they're equal. But in terms of the part that they play within that company, meaning the value they have to that company as as, 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 a, as an asset, as, as the work that they provide, is definitely different. If you are the business owner... All of the onus is on you. For instance, entrepreneurship is something that I um, want to pursue. At some point in my life, I don't know exactly what I want to do, but its I've always had that drive. I came up in a family where my dad owns his own business, and uh, it's something that's always intrigued me. And, and also, there's the perk of being your own boss. Now, you work constantly, but it's also one of the most rewarding things. It's kind of like you know, marriage and kids, all that good stuff terms of rewards and work. But <clears throat> same goes for 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 small business owner. Small business owner, if there's a scan say say there's a scandal within a company or something like that, or there's a lawsuit or something, his entire well being and the livelihood is at risk. Someone who just works for him though, they could always quit. They go find another job. Yeah, there's gonna be some hardship there, might have to go on employment, but this scandal may not it's not going to take their tear their whole life down and apart necessarily, like it does to the person, the, the proprietor of the business. And it's the same concept here. I don't think a. I think that they do very that they do work. It's a different type of work, and that the reason they're compensated so well for this work. I'm not saying there's not CEOs who have bloated salaries and bonuses and things like that, and there's not exploitation within the corporate world because there definitely is. I have lots of problems with the corporate world, but just to go off and say, oh corporations are evil, CEOs are evil, they're all overpaid and bloated and they don't do any work and it's they're they're rich because of the people below them. And It's like, what if this company started as a two-man operation, Apple, Microsoft, and now it's billions and billions and billions of dollars? Do you really think the people at the top, even if they weren't there at the beginning, they've been brought in, it's because they know how to run a billion-dollar company and they can do this proficiently. And so, I'm not saying that the entry-level person can't or at least can't someday but in that moment you're entry-level no you you can't and so I believe that the the rich in big part are earning their keep and it's not an exploitation of these I keep calling entry-level workers basically what it means like the most basic job there like the, the 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 first position and and you can say there's you know some more playing that, but I'm just thinking like, all right, ba- the base level position versus the CEO level position, and it's just like, I'm sorry, but that's just not the case, and that's that's really not how it is, and and so I mean that's that's kind of I mean, think all of the big points as far as like, what is what pushes me a away from Bernie specifically, but also from the Democratic Party is this rhetoric that I just don't buy into, and I'm not saying Trump is amazing or perfect by any means, but I tell you the big 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 hardline issues. Is he actually? He doesn't only preach that he that he cares for the working people, but he actually like, I think he actually does, and he actually makes an effort. He's a pretty pretty. He may make you know flawed decisions, but he he's not. I'll tell you this: Who's the only outsider right now? If those are our three, so three leaders right now, you have Trump, Bernie, and Biden. Who's the outsider in terms of bureaucrats? Trump is. He's only been in politics five years. Six years at most, if you want to count whenever he started his campaign. Bernie, Biden, Biden's been in since the said. Biden's been in politics like fifty years, something crazy like that. Bernie's been in it like forty years. They've been in it close to a hundred years combined. They've been in politics. They've been bureaucrats. You tell me who's anti-establishment here. From what I can see, Bernie and Biden, very establishment. Bernie is anti-establishment from the standpoint of he's a socialist, and so he doesn't like this country. I believe believe he doesn't like this country at its core because he attacks the, f- the foundational values this country is built on, and system that this country is built on. And it's like, yeah, I don't, want, I don't want that. I don't want you leading our country if you hate our country. Like, it's kind of like the Ron Swanson mentality. You hate government. They're like, why are you working the government? so I can slow the government down. His is more, his is a little more funny because it's like, ah, like he has his beliefs, but he, he, he becomes part of the system to, to just slow the system and stop it and cause problems. But that's kind of what Bernie's trying to do. He's like, no, I'm, I'm here. I hate the system. So I'm trying to get on the inside and change it and like turn it inside out, turn it upside down. Well, actually, I mean, just explode this. I'm trying to infiltrate the system, explode it and, build a new system that is proven that has not ever been proven to fully work ever, ever, <clears throat> ever, ever, ever. But I look at it and that's, what's funny. It was like, I mean, Bernie does say he's anti-establishment and Joe's, you know, and I don't think Joe really says it, but they all talk about this and they're like, yeah, anti-establishment, anti-establishment. It's like, are you really anti-establishment? You've been doing this 40 freaking years you barely got anything passed. You've just been hanging out in Congress living off the taxpayer's dollar. I'm really skeptical of you. Trump was a businessman for 30, 40 years, doing his own thing. It was like, "Oh, I'm gonna run for president." Feels like an outsider to me. Yep. In some maybe in some aspects? No, but in, in comparatively speaking, yeah, absolutely. But um, so I thought that this podcast was going to be another, like, just kind of a little bit of everything, like, talking about yada, 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 talk about politics a little bit, then maybe talk about sports, because we've got March Madness coming around the corner, and I just realized I'm at, like, 50 minutes, um, coming up on an hour, so I'm probably just going to close this episode out, and we'll revisit March Madness and all that other stuff, um, March Madness, I gotta get in this week, we'll get in, we'll get in later, um, but then also talk about, You know, we're getting closer. I think towards the end of March, I'll do a a playoff. Um, Here we come, playoffs, NBA podcast. Um, But I think before I get out of here, I do want to touch on Corona. Grab a lime, give it a fresh squeeze, shove it down a bottle. Corona, take a sip. What's your take on coronavirus? My big thing, so I actually want to do some research because I've seen some numbers thrown around. I don't know the exact sources, so I'm not going to give them... You know, 100% validity. Things that I do know, though, is that it is upper, rep- upper respiratory system. Coronavirus is not new. This is just a new strain of the coronavirus. It is transmissible. Um, you don't see symptoms, though, after two weeks, so you have a quarantine period. It started in Wuhan, China, and there's a lot of problems with China and just not being co- totally transparent and just not owning up to it. They're like the kid that's like, no, it was I, I accidentally shook up my pop and then opened it and sprayed it on the wall. No, you didn't. You accidentally or or like that kid that like does something right in front of you like it wasn't me it's like yeah it was i just saw you no no i would never do that it's impossible and then like you're like yeah i saw you and then they kill you and then boom no witnesses and then they hide the body and then people are like did you do that and you're like no you know, do that thing and they're like nope nobody's here to see it it's kind of how china approaches it and so that causes problems and then also as we learn and so you have china and italy you have cases now in the U.S. Um, and we have a couple here. We have one confirmed in Oklahoma. and We have ten more that are pending, so they're getting the tests. But big thing that I'm seeing is that people are freaking out because you look at mortality rates because a lot more people have died. There's like a what 110,000 people have gotten, in and a couple thousand people have died. So it's like a one or two percent, which is really really high, especially comparative speaking to the flu. But then my other thing is you have to look at how serious is, is Ebola. Basically, made you sharp and and vomit blood, and till you died. And this is upper respiratory infection, not to be taken lightly. It, I, I think, I think it basically it's like okay, it looks like the flu. It's not quite the flu. It's a little bit more serious, at least in this sense, because we don't flu. We have vaccine, clear treatment. We don't have all that for this new virus, or the, at least this specific coronavirus. CBD nine, C B with C C V I D nineteen or whatever it is, but. Um, something that I did see was interesting was that if you're under fifty, there's a 99.7 percent chance of recovery if you get corona, and I think that's important to couple with. Say, wow, death toll pretty high, but then also, I, I you know, what I don't know enough about the demographic of the populations in infected. I know, like in Washington State in the U.S., it's an old folks home, and so you start seeing deaths and. The problem is all they say are deaths. Oh no, there's this many deaths. They don't say there's this many deaths. It is this population. You know, it's all six of them were 65 and older. Um, Four of them had pre-existing conditions that compromised their immune system and, and, and gave extra complications. Because that's I think that's the large part what we're seeing. Is you see, look if you're if you are like me, a young healthy individual, and by young I mean under 50, healthy individual, you don't have any super serious underlying conditions, uh, you catch coronavirus, you're going to survive just fine like you would with the flu, uh, barring any extenuating, extenuating circumstances. And, and so, okay, we should set back and say, okay, don't need to hoard toilet paper and rain, rain hell down on these stores, uh, and their stocks. <laughs> Even though I, we, I sat back and I thought and I was like, what I was like with Amazon Prime, why would I hoard all this stuff if I can literally just if I have to be quarantined, I can sit at home and just prime everything it comes to my door? Um, now I do understand if like that had to get shut down, then yeah, there could be a problem. So I could see where you could make a case for hoarding, but nonetheless, people are doing this, and I'm like, I could get just making sure, like, hey, do I have water? Do I have food? Do I have, do I have basic stuff? And just be like, all right, but like going down and like totally like buying up everything in the grocery, all the basics and the water, the toilet paper, all that good stuff in the gro- grocery stores is, is a little bit silly. I do understand we need to be, you know, I look at coronavirus like a little fire. Like, honestly, we kind of know what we're dealing with here. Um, you just dump some water on it. You know, we, we we've gotten treatments vaccines on its way, that sort of thing. We're, we're handling it. However, fire can't get out of control we need to we need to make sure that the embers don't blow out of the fire and if they if they do and they, they get in some grass we need to stomp them out you know we do need to take necessary precautions and and things of that sort because it's not necessarily about on one hand it's it, it's it's like oh look your survivability your recovery rate and chances are really really good but on the other hand if we if we just if we if we do keep if we're like okay whatever and we just allow it to spread, You are going to see deaths because you may be fine, but someone you come in contact with at the store may have some sort of autoimmune problem or just immune problem because they have an underlying condition and could kill them. But I think it's important that we don't get out of control with it, if that makes sense. Meaning if you see one little ember, you don't go dump 10 gallons of water on that spot where that ember fell. You just stomp it out and make sure it's out. You know? And and so we keep a healthy respect for the fire and manage it and watch it and um, do all the necessary things, but I don't think we need to turn this into an epidemic and act like you know we're having a super huge crazy crisis. Just mind your p's and q's, folks. Um, and on that note. We're seeing what are we seeing? We're seeing sports leagues take certain precautions. Um, the NBA, most notably, they are they are definitely instituting that they're only allowing essential personnel in the locker room. Uh, media have to keep a certain distance, and I get this because you know what these people are doing—they're traveling a ton, and so it makes sense traveling a ton. But then they they have already issued the statement, and I think this is—I'm not against this just to get get ahead of it in the sense of I don't know how serious they were about actually doing this, but to get ahead of it and say, hey. We are, um, but to say, be prepared to play games without any fans in the arena. Super weird. Super, I want to, I would want to be at that game though. Like if I could find a way to like, I, I would want to be one of the people allowed to, because I want to be at a, I want to be at an NBA game where it's played, it's official and nobody's in the arena. Are they still going to play Music. It would just be quiet. It would probably just be quiet. Oh, that would be eerie. And just sit in like the middle of a section, like midway, prob- probably in the lower bowl, but like midway up or at the top and just sit there and just watch. Be like, okay, this is what we're doing. Like be super eerie. But so on one hand I say, okay, they're just getting ahead of it. It's like saying, hey, look, if things get really bad, you know, this is the precautions we're going to have to take. But on the other hand, there's a, I'm like, I don't know how like ready they are to do this. Meaning. Like, are they, are they going to just make this move because they're just to be overly, overly, overly precautious? Because that's that's a little bit like, on one hand, I'm like, eh, let's not overreact here. But on the other hand, you, when you think about it, large crowds, and what do you have? I, I can tell you from, you have people that travel, that travel all over the country, and you have people that do travel internationally to come see uh, sporting events. And, and so you do have a heavy mixture of people and you have, you know, 20,000 people, 15 to 20,000 people in, in one very confined space and sharing the space. And it's like, I get, you know, that's definitely the first thing that like, you watch for and watch and be canceled. But I don't know. And there's a part of me that's like, I think this is maybe we're a little bit premature on this reaction to be like, we're not going to play with fans, which they haven't said. They just said, be prepared to. But there is a side of me that I do kind of feel that, like, as this continues... Because I think it's going to continue to... You're going to see more cases um, in the U.S. And, and more deaths, and sadly. But you're going to see it continue to kind of spread until we can fully get this under control. But um, I don't think it's as, as bad as it feels. Because I think we all have that initial gut reaction of, like, ooh. But I don't think it's as bad as it feels. But... and so And so I do think there is some... There is some overreaction here. But at the same time, I can't also understand all these precautions because they are the industry. The players, the teams are the industry. And so if, if players go down, um, yeah, it's going to really hurt the product at the end of the day. Um, LeBron did say if he showed up to a game and there were no fans, he would not play. I'm curious to know who else would be on that boat in the Because and, and, that would rock. Oh, man. Part of me wants to see, all right, they're like, at, at least in big markets, like in your L.A., uh, up in Portland, um, up in that area, in Salt Lake, where they're close to Washington State, and you could have, you, could have, you know, movement. I'm curious to, to I kind of want to see this unfold, where they're saying, all right, this game, no fans. A, what happens to all the fans who have tickets, all the season ticket members, is there some sort of, is there some sort of reimbursement? I for the season ticket members, I I, I think it, it's a little bit different. But say for people who bought single game tickets, like what do you do for? Like you, I guess you just have to. I, I I would think you would have to refund their money, but maybe not. Maybe in that agreement that you agree to when you buy the tickets, maybe there's some clause for this, and you don't get your money back. People are gonna be pissed. Um, see that, and then see okay. Uh, if LeBron's not playing in the game say who else is in his camp and are you willing to fall through with not playing because that's gonna make things super interesting so uh, but that's kind of my take I don't know if I really gave any clear answers I don't want that to happen but on some level I wouldn't be totally against it in the sense of like hey just yeah you know, it's one of those like I just want to see it I do think uh I don't think it's bad to get ahead of it and say, hey, be ready for this. You know, it's like, hey, be ready for a snow day in a week. Um, but, you know, we're not going to cancel school yet kind of situation. Um, and and don't jump the gun on it. I think as long as they don't jump the gun on it and they just, all right, take these necessary precautions with, you know, who's allowed in the locker room and, and media when talking to players have to keep a certain distance now. That's fine. Let's not jump through the whole no fans thing yet. Let's it does unfold more, but if things, if things stay the course, I could totally see, you know, mid to late March, all of a sudden we have games, and there's nobody there, be super weird, uh, I definitely haven't watched parties, if that's the case, <laughs> I'm definitely having watch parties, and being like, eh, let's come over, because I mean, it's only 20,000 more people, um, who I guess are now have to watch from home, but still, I'm that's what, I, that's what I'm be like. Yeah, let's have some watch parties for this. i um, just to see an empty arena and see what it looks like, even from TV. Be interesting, but um, yeah. Let me know where you stand on coronavirus and um, what's your approach. I mean, everything they're telling people to do is like literally commonplace come flu season and I think I think corona is really akin to the flu I think um you shouldn't freak out if you get coronavirus more so I think we just need to take the proper measures to make sure that we're not spreading it the spread is what's dangerous not necessarily the virus itself um and let's continue to trust and see how this unfolds see if the NBA um, <clears throat> takes fans out of the arena on game nights. Let's see what happens with March Madness with this. Like, there's a whole bunch up in the air. South by Southwest got canceled. I know. I think Coachella might get canceled. Like, there's big um, conferences and, and events that are getting canceled, and it's cr- it's kind of crazy. But I mean, if you really want to stop the spread, yeah, keep everybody at home. So, uh, what are your plans? If you have to spend, I don't know, a couple weeks at home, or you have to start working remotely, I my plans are I'm going to get real comfortable. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to Sam's or um, uh, Sam's Club is what I'm saying and stock up on some basic foods. I think I'm getting low on peanut butter. Stock up on some stuff. Just make sure I have food to cook here. And I'm just gonna chill out. I'm gonna get a lot of Netflix done. I'm gonna get a lot of podcasts done. I'm gonna I'm gonna be well versed. That's the beauty about this. Is like 50 years ago, if you'd have people quarantine like this, like start crazy, like. Yeah, you can call on the phone and stuff like that. But the connectivity nowadays it allows us. It's like we can still be totally connected from our home. It's kind of cool. So, but uh, all right, we're at an hour. I gotta close this thing out. I'm I'm doing an hour podcast now, and it's the last two mostly been political commentary. So here we are. Uh, but but really, I like honestly what this is what this is about is just just me being me, and I'm gonna be me and do my thing. So. Thank you for listening. Made it this far, appreciate your support. Um, I do want to say to my listener Connor. I did get your email and I appreciate your your bullet points from my last episode. I didn't I didn't really know if there's much to comment on because once again and this one's going to be the same as you said it's a long episode. Um I think notable things is, you know, you made the prediction that Zion wins rookie of the year if the Pelicans come back and make the playoffs. You're not saying it's fair. That's just how you see it. And I would totally agree with you on that. <laughs> I like your reaction to Bernie Sanders' idea. Wow, Bernie Sanders? Like, are they for real about this? It's like they want Trump to be president for four more. Totally agree with that. I think Biden... It's funny. You can make a case for why you'd, I'd rather have Biden or why I'd rather have Bernie as an nominee. Bernie, Bernie, I think, on one hand, could get, would get eviscerated. On the other hand, he may get some serious support momentum. Uh, Biden going to get i think he's going to get eviscerated in a general election at least from terms of like um how you know he handles debates and things like that but i'm a little more scared of his rock solid support uh, but i'm less scared of him becoming president so i think i'd rather go the biden route even though let's just keep trump there but um I do like your comment about how you are upset how there was no Pitbull in the Super Bowl halftime show. Disrespect to, uh, or you said there was a slap in the face to Miss Worldwide. I agree. How are you not going to have a surprise pop-up appearance by Pitbull? Like, when Katy Perry had the surprise appearance by Missy Elliott, people lost their minds, and it was awesome. But then J-Lo and Shakira aren't going to have a surprise visit by... The one, the only, Mr. Worldwide. Come on now. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, I was trying like to show you love because you take the time to listen and to email back, and um, I know you know listener base is small, mainly just you, and that's fine. But we're here now, and I uh, I'm just gonna keep grinding it out. And get more listeners. That's the hope. Get more emails. Uh, let me know all your thoughts on anything and everything. Um, like I said, if you if you if you email. You can leave me, you can find my page on anchor.fm slash ramblingvikingpodcast. And you could, there you can actually voice messages. So if you'd rather just, hey, I'm going to take a couple minutes, record something, send it to you. Or, of course, there's always email, the ramblingviking at gmail.com, the ramblingviking at gmail.com. Email me any any and all thoughts on anything, whether it's the coronavirus, whether it's politics, whether it's the sports, whether it's. The way that I say certain words, I don't care. Just bring it on. I am on Twitter, at Rambling Viking. I really don't use it that much. I should probably get more into the social media and gain some traction. But, I don't know, I just really haven't make, made that move. Um, I'm Because, you know, I'm just here talking and having fun. So, let me know when you know all your thoughts. Uh, shout out to listener Connor, who always listens and always emails. Appreciate it. And um, would love to know your thoughts and keep this conversation. See if maybe we do some podcasts with some guests in the future. But, until next time, guys, see you later.